Come with me to the Casbah, my little one. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Red alert. All hands to battle stations. Engage. Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, or they'll destroy you. We are dangerous. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 48. This is the Next Generation version. I'm Chris Honeywell and I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hello. My fellow Trekker. Mm-hmm. Not Trekkie, Trekker in the present tense. Because you're trekking. <laughs> you keep me trekking. <laughs> I think your your IQ hasn't fully recovered from pounding your head from, against the wall. From in the my last synopsis of the last comic, <laughs> it was a good comic. Um, I just want to say that if folks don't listen to both uh, halves of of Star Trek Monthly Monday, if you don't listen to both. TOS and TNG. Well, now's the time to correct that error because uh, the one that we just recorded for TOS is is another comedy classic. (laughs) We had Uncle Randy on the show, and if you've uh, if you've never heard Uncle Randy on the show, well, then you're you're missing a you're missing a treat. What's funny is people probably picture some guy who's like 20 years older than us, but he's really like 10 minutes older than us. He's three days older yeah. than me. Literally yeah. three days. So, yep. <laughs> so, before but, we get to our episodes, I hear people have been actually writing us emails. 
They have. We have had some folks that are answering the plea for email, and I do sincerely appreciate it. Keep them coming, folks. We really do enjoy them. We really do read them. So here we go. This is the second half. Actually, this is the first half of uh, Jonathan Kreitz's email to us about Star Trek Monthly Monday number 45. But the latter half of this was about uh, TOS edition, so I already read that in the TOS show. So here's how it actually began. And he says... 1701D edition, so he began in reverse order. Actually, I think you posted them up in reverse order that month, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he says, I have really enjoyed Star Trek Monthly Monday a lot more since all the Star Trek shows went on Netflix. I loved TNG as a kid, but was too young to watch the earlier seasons. Uh, I have never seen a lot of these episodes, and these two were no exception. What the hell episodes did we cover in 45, anyway? I don't, I don't know. Maybe he'll say here. Is, uh, oh no, that was that was last one. Yeah, forty-five was back there. It's got to be one of them. Has got to be the one with Riker's father, because he says right here, I like seeing Riker's relationship with his father. Right. Although, uh, with how far humanity has quote unquote advanced, he, he still seems quite bent out of shape. I also like uh, to see. Uh, I also I also liked to see Riker get a promotion offer. Uh, it adds to the feel of reality of the show. However, his continued turning down of these promotions eventually stretches the imagination. Well, I think it stretches his credibility, too. And But what the nice thing about that is I feel like they did address it from time to time that unlike the original series where I felt like it got really hokey after a while that these people weren't moving on and, and progress. Yeah, they were, they were stepping up in rank, but they really weren't going anywhere if you know what mm -hmm. i mean um and they never really addressed it until the final movie when you know when sulu finally got his own command um unlike that from time to time it would be mentioned in next gen that that Riker, you know it's going to come up as a big plot point in best of both worlds where basically uh, Riker and Deanna Troy end up having a conversation where he basically says that, you know, am I hurting my career by standing still, essentially? And uh, and I really like that. I like that they were addressing, they were aware right. that they were stretching credibility the, the longer the show went on and he stayed where he was. Uh, anyway, he says, I wish it all uh, had spent a little more time on the climax of this episode, the fight between Riker and his dad. Their Tron slash American Gladiators slash Samurai outfits were hilarious. He says, Riker looked like he barely fit into yep. his. <laughs> it looks like they had to Kirk him into it, Shatner him into it. Oh, yeah. He, uh, these days, I think he's very Shatner-like. <laughs> I mean, I always thought he was very Shatner-like to begin with, but he's yes. especially Shatner-like <laughs> these days. He says, the episode with Data and, his, and the little girl was not that great. Oh, okay. It was, uh, what's the name of that one? D Data's friend Pen or something pal. like that? Pen pals. That was it. He says, the inconsistencies you pointed out regarding Data's character, the prime directive, etc., were spot on. And again, that's from Jonathan Kreitz. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. And lastly, for this time around... We have one here. This is from Jason Trenner, and he says, not spam. He says, Star <laughs> Trek Monday's TNG. I, I love it. He starts all that's, his uh, Well, that's always helpful. Not spam. That's always a good yes, idea to do that, actually. It really is. He says, uh, hey, guys. He says, listen to the episode and got something to add for down the ladder. I think it's actually up the long ladder, but I know what you mean. It it's, felt like down the ladder. 
Yeah, it felt like they went down the ladder. And it says, uh, uh, and that there was a follow-up, a Star Trek SCEE novel to the story. He says the highlight of it is where the crew of the Da Vinci uh, goes over the goes over the app. Oh, okay. They must look back over the the adventure. He says, and they. Uh, and even they think Picard is just trying to dump those hicks off at the first chance that he could Who get. wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He says, however, Captain Gold, who is a friend of Picard, uh, really doesn't find that funny. And he chats with Picard about it. And it was a command decision uh, doing the best you could uh, with what you had. And still probably trying to get the people uh, stinking up the cargo bay out of it. But, you know... He says, on a more serious note, the E-novel uh, also covers how the colony had been doing and uh, the mixing of the two peoples in well. It had gone to shit, or gone like shit, he says. Definitely a stronger story than the episode. As for Manhunt, I got nothing. <laughs> That's from Jason Schreier. <laughs> I, uh, I see those books around all the time, those SCE books. I think I may even have one or two in my collection. I've never actually read any of them, but some of the uh, premises that I've seen listed, like uh, Memory Alpha and stuff, or some of the different stories sound really interesting. So one of these days I'm going to have to check into some of those because it looks like that's a series that really... Um, it, it looks like a lot of the premise of that series is picking up little pieces of different episodes like this and kind of, you know, where did they go? You know, what happened to them kind of thing. I, I like that. I like that there's so much Trek out there now that just about any plot thread that was out there, any premise that was out there probably has been explored at least even a little yeah, bit at this probably point. Several I like times, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But that's all we got for email for uh, this time around. Thank you very much to uh, everybody that wrote in. Keep those cards and letters coming. We do appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And, and <laughs> so we ready to dig right into the meat of this yes. one? Yes. All right. So first off, we got the Emissary. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation... Lieutenant Worf is reunited with his lost love. I've never had such strong feelings toward anyone. Two brave warriors test the courage of their private passions. We are mated. I am not going to become your wife! Now, they must join forces to prevent a Klingon attack. Drop your shields. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. And reading right out of the nitpickers guide for next generation trekkers, this is the synopsis for this episode. It says, responding to an emergency message from Starfleet, the Enterprise warps to intersect a class eight probe. It carries an emissary with information on the ship's next mission. After beaming the probe aboard, Riker and transporter chief O'Brien uh, open the two meter enclosure and Kalar steps out. She is half human and half Klingon. Six years ago, she and Worf knew each other quite well, although they uh, parted badly. In a briefing with the senior staff, Kalar explains that a Klingon ship sent out 73 years ago is returning from a secret mission. The warriors aboard the ship were placed in suspended animation while the Klingon Empire was still at war with the Federation. When the Klingons awake, they will undoubtedly begin attacking the Federation outposts and colonies in the area. Since the closest Klingon ship is several days away, the Enterprise has the unenviable task of solving this problem. 
Kalar recommends only one solution. Destroy the Klingon ship as soon as they find it. Picard dismisses the meeting, instructing Kalar and Worf to find other options. When Worf and Kalar are, are alone, she tries to turn the conversation to their past, but Worf refuses to discuss the events of six years ago. In anger, Kalar storms back to her quarters. She ends up in the holodeck, taking out her aggressions on Worf's calisthenics program. Worf, also looking to relax, comes to the holodeck and sees his program running. He joins Kalar. After working out together, they share a quote-unquote special oh, evening yeah. on the holodeck. Ooh, yes. Worf then tries to take the oath of marriage, but Kalar refuses. Meanwhile, the Enterprise locates the rogue Klingon ship. Suddenly, Worf has an inspiration. He and Kalar dress in Klingon uniforms, pretend to be in command of the Enterprise, and convince the Klingon captain that the, that the Empire defeated the Federation. Worf then sends Kalar over to take command until a present-day Klingon vessel arrives. That's actually a pretty mm -hmm. solid, uh, pretty solid synopsis. So, uh, was this your first time? And what did you think of uh, of the emissary? It, I think it was my first time seeing this. I don't remember seeing this one before. I may have, but uh, I I, I like this episode. I thought I thought this was. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna spoil ahead and say both episodes this month were like prototypical solid next generation episodes mm -hmm. not part of a huge storyline or a, or a you know world shaking story but a good you know nice little science fiction stories um I had a few you know quibbles about this like. Why didn't they just disable the Klingon ship at you know when they before the Klingons woke up, you know, and exactly. and just l left it sitting there until the other Klingon ship got there and took care of them, and and left them just floating in space with their life support system so they couldn't hurt and 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 took their weapons out, and have them you know tr while they try to figure that out then the Klingons can get there and say, hey look we got you then take them and debrief them. Or the Klingons could destroy him instead of putting it on the... I, I, when I was watching this, I was thinking maybe the Klingons are trying to... It's a double cross where they're trying to put the Enterprise in a situation where they destroy some Klingons. And then I was thinking maybe these Klingons were on a mission that no, the Klingons don't want anybody to find out about. So they were getting Picard to do their dirty work for them. But then I remembered these shows aren't long enough to go into that many plot details. So it was really more about Worf and his girlfriend. And uh, I swear to God, Pulaski was hitting on him again. I, I'm telling you, she's got some Klingon fever. She's got a little sweet <laughs> tooth for the Klingons. I think she does too. And uh, And, you know, I started thinking about it. I'm like... Worf is kind of the... They, they really know their audience. They really play to the nerds. In the You know, they got Wesley for the young nerds. But look at Worf. He wants to marry the first girl he has sex with. He's all ready to get <laughs> married. Oh, you'll screw me? All right, we're married. He's just trying to do the right thing, you know. And I knew that... I And, and another thing about her character is I thought she leaned way way into the human 
more than the Klingon. Yes. She was just sort yeah. of like a sassy human, a sassy, hot human lady, you know? And when, you know, she was a little too, like, her humor was more smart alky, you know? She was like, kind of like a, a, a spunky, um, like, Cub Scout mom or something, you know? Girl, Girl Scout pack leader <laughs> mom, you know what I mean? In her, in her little cute little jumpsuit oh, and stuff. Oh, and yes. and she was really hot for a Klingon. You know, since she was half human and half Klingon, you know, she of course should be a little more attractive to us humans. Probably fifty percent more attractive than a normal Klingon. So, but admit it, you wouldn't kick her out of bed for having a. Oh no 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 before. not at all. I would. Oh, I'd be all over that. <clears throat> but <laughs> come on, look at. Did you see her teeth? Not one single snaggle tooth. Come on, she's a Klingon. Not one single, you know, buckle, huckle going on there, you know? Maybe she had them Maybe, because she's an emissary or something, but nah, I don't know. Klingon sort of like that, you know, busted up look, you know? No little scar right. on her on her forehead or something like that, you know? She was almost, she was too attractive, you know? I, I would have rather, hey, they could have they on her, they could have given her a snaggle tooth and I still would have been all about it. I would have. It's not gonna bother me, not for a second. What I'd be more worried about is being broken, like literally, like a twig. <laughs> but you know, a couple of things about Kalar. For one thing, I, I'll admit right up front, I really like her character. I really mm. like Kalar quite a bit as a character. Um, spoiler alert: We will see Kalar again. She plays a very important role in uh, in Worf's life. I'm trying to remember when that happens. I I want to say that's fourth season, I think, but I'm not sure. But it's, it's well, of course, we only have one more episode left in, in this season. But uh, it won't be this season, but we will see Kalar again. And she kind of, she really kind of helps um, kick off a, a whole arc with Worf where, where he really steps into the forefront as one of the major characters of the series. And, and that's, I think that's exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to when we get there. Um she, the, no, the actress who, I didn't write down the actress's name here. I should have. I should have looked it up. Susie something, I think. But anyway, um, she had previously been on this series. She was Dr. Salar. Remember that episode with uh, with Data's grandfather? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she was the Vulcan doctor. Oh, okay. And looking into some of the backstory of that, apparently the writer or writers uh, of that episode and of the series in general at the time had hit upon the idea of having Worf and Dr. Salar get together. And for whatever reason, it just never happened. And so do you they think Michael Dorn just had the hots for this actress and was like, look, could be, could look, be guys. Do me a favor. Could very well be. She's cute. But uh, basically, they just, uh, you know, they changed a couple of letters and changed her from uh, from Vulcan to, to half Klingon. And there you go. Now, this whole thing with, uh, you know, being half Klingon, you know, a half Klingon, half human woman, uh, you know, feeling like she has, you know, this this raging monster, you know, kind of like David Banner syndrome. That whole thing would be more fully explored and, and really played out very well on Star Trek Voyager because there was a character on that show, um, Belana Torres, 
who becomes the uh, the chief engineer of that ship, she was a half Klingon, half human. Now her, uh, in her case, her mother, I think, was the was the Klingon, and I don't remember if they ever show her father in that show or not. But I'm, I, it must have been her father that was the human. When I first started watching that show, couldn't stand her character, but by the end of it, I came to actually like her. She's still one of my least favorite characters on that show, but she she does get some really good arcs. And there was one where they did kind of an enemy within where they split her into two physical beings and one was all Klingon and one was all human. That was actually a pretty cool episode. And that was the first time where I realized on that show that same as like you pointed out with Kalar, that when she's just her regular, you know, half and half self, she has like perfect teeth. But in that episode where she gets split into two, oh, yeah. the Klingon... She's got the snaggle teeth and all that. It's, it's actually pretty cool. That's that's actually a pretty decent episode. But, uh, you know, they really got a chance to play with that idea much more fully uh, on Voyager, you know, because she was a regular continuing character. They're like snaggle teeth with that green slime that we used to get as kids painted on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I thought the chick at Khan with Data looked really 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 familiar she looked a lot like uh lassie mchot pants there from up the long ladder but i don't think it was her but she looked a lot she was like way her. she was even skinnier than than her she was just like yeah. she, she had that really s- sort of skinny tomboy nerd but she had kind of a little attitude towards her i i liked her she had a little bit of like uh smart ass to her just a little bit Sass. yeah just a little bit of a smirk to her and uh, does she tur- does she keep turning up on the bridge? It looked like she was gonna be somebody that you would probably see on the bridge. Not a yeah. clue. I don't I don't remember. They you know they kind of have that when it's not Wesley sitting there. They kind of got a revolving well, door. You know. It's yeah. I'm sure there were a lot of like nieces and and Star Trek fans that like that won a contest or po- got a string pulled or something, right. and they said, okay, we'll put oh, you in absolutely. the costume and and sit you there absolutely because there's a there's an episode i don't think we've covered it yet i i think it's much later in the series but there was an episode where and you wouldn't know it if you didn't just know it you know if you didn't read about it in tv guide or something but there's an episode where um the transporter chief in a in a scene or two was actually the first um black female astronaut oh um jemison i think is her name and uh, yeah, so you know they they did constantly do things. Well, you know, like we had you know Mick Fleetwood as right. one of the fish guy, you know that sort of thing. So I, I like that. Plus, I mean, in a real world scenario, if I caught wind of the you know if if I was in line to do that job and in the rotation or what, and I caught wind of the fact that a black guy had died screaming in that chair, then not, I don't think I nah nah you know you can go ahead and put me on latrine duty. I'm right. good with that, you know. <laughs> I never heard of anybody dying screaming down in the latrine, scrubbing the latrine. You know, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> now I've got a question for you because this really, this really bugged me. I love the scene. I love how this episode starts with the scene of them sitting around playing whatever that was, poker or whatever. They're you know, and, and I really liked uh, how uh, Pulaski was you know was re- you know relating to the guys in that scene and everything. I thought it was a good scene. But what bugged me about it, they're right in the middle of the game, 
somebody calls them over the con system and says, you know, Commander Riker, you know, we got blah, blah, blah going on up here. You know, can you step up to the bridge, please? And he's like, okay, I'm on my way, which they always do that. Right. You know, it's never like, hang on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a shit or, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting a sandwich or something. In this case, I felt like that was justified because I'm thinking one of two things has to be the scenario here. Either he's on duty which means they're goofing off on the clock because they're playing poker, which is why he immediately jumps up and he's like, I'll be right there and, you know, runs off or he's on his break or off, you know, off duty on his break, whatever. In which case, I'm sorry, nobody's got that much dedication. You know what I mean? If I'm on my break and they call me on the radio and say, like, hey, Scott, you know, we need to do, but hey, Not I'm my on my job, break. man. Exactly. You know, you can call Ensign, you know, Peon and let him know what your problem is. He'll be happy to take care of it because I'm off the friggin' clock, dude. Don't be bothering me. So I think they, I, I could see him goofing off. You, there's probably a good amount of goofing off on the Enterprise, you know, when, when there's nothing going on. You know what I mean? When there's no emergency or, you know, there's probably a lot of downtime where you're just flying around through nothing through the vacuum of space so yeah i don't i don't know though i mean i'm torn is, on i that. mean I is really, there a button I, that he needs exactly. to keep his eye on at every second right. you know what's i mean right. what 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 does he need to be doing that he can't be doing that he can't drop well, his know, cards and do if he has to do you know it's not like he's guarding the front door i you make a good point because I, I was going to argue it a little bit harder, but then I got to thinking about like, like say like firefighters or policemen. You know, I mean, if they're not actually they're playing cards and watching I mean, movies, yeah, and, maybe watch movies yeah. in the facility. Yeah, and I mean, I've been in that position, so yeah, I, I guess just, that makes th their their job just, is sort of to be there, you know, and right, and when something yeah. happens, be ready to do your job. But until then, and. And I imagine maybe they allow a certain amount of slacking like that because just to keep your morale up because you're basically in a sub, you know? Right. So, yeah. I, but, you know, if, if the only thing you've got going on is, you know, you're in between missions and it's going to be, you know, nine hours till you get to the next planet, then I guess, theoretically, what the hell else is there to do? You know, if you just right. sit there in the... Uh, staring at the view screen you're gonna fall asleep i mean so. they drink <laughs> they <keep going. laughs> so i mean it would this would be one of those uh, where it might be against the rules or something but it would be the kind of thing if picard found them he'd be like what are you doing playing cards and they would be like deal me in and they'd be like oh okay you know that type of <laughs> that type of thing you got time to lean you got time to clean <laughs> that would be funny that i would love you'd that. never see someone vacuuming the the floors on the enterprise or you never see like joe the janitor come out through the elevator and start mopping the floor behind picard you know or well i guess they're carpeted by next gen i i, I will make one exception is that and this is actually one of those nitpicks that's always really bugged me in star trek 2 the wrath of khan there's a scene right after the opener where, you know, Kirk comes in after the little simulation and he has this little chit-chat with Savick. The very next scene is where he and Spock are chatting and it looks like that, like an arboretum or something. And there's that one guy that looks like he's got like the 23rd century buffer and he's waxing the floor. Oh, that's right. 
I've always imagined that guy's been like, damn, 23rd century hasn't changed for shit for me. I've still got, I've still got to buff the damn floor. Whatever happened to those goddamn Roombas? But, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, here it is the 23rd century and, you know, we've evolved and all that crap and, you know, there's no money. So I'm like, how do you entice the guy that that buffs the floor or scrubs the toilet or takes out the trash you know how do you get that job in this moneyless utopian society you know i i think it's one of those things that See, I'm, they never talk about because i don't think there's an answer I'm to that question to think it's not really a moneyless society i'm thinking you just don't have physical money you right. just have credits and they go oh you know it's because, you know, yeah. McCoy's buying Kirk stuff from antique shops, you know, and in 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 the in the last episode of the, you know, this this month's episode of the original series one, you know, they were talking about how rich those guys were going to be on the mining colony. That's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I get me, you know. I'm just thinking in the, in the society we live in right, right. at the moment. Yeah. We've already got people that are like, you know what? I can get everything that I need to sustain myself for the rest of my life by sitting right here on my ass and watching Oprah every day. Why should I contribute? So you take that to the nth degree where all they have to do is walk over to the food synthesizer or, you know, or they walk to the transporter and they can instantly be on a beach in Hawaii or whatever. Why the hell? Would you go to work every day and and buff the floor? You know, why, what's, your, what's your incentive? That's an answer I'd really want. I want to know why is that guy doing that job? Where Maybe is his incentive? Maybe made it very like, glamorous that time so he gets a lot of girls. <laughs> but I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, you know, because Picard in several episodes will make a point, and I know he preaches this in, in First Contact, the movie, that... You know, we have a more evolved sensibility and, you know, it's about bettering yourself and, and it's about the journey and blah, blah, blah and all that. Well, that's great if you're a starship captain or a scientist or an explorer or something, you know, quote unquote glamorous. You're not going to sell me on that when it comes to being the garbage man. You know, that just I, that don't wash. Maybe you know in the I mean? future, though, they haven't found a way to prepare or to repair stupidity. So, well, that, you know, I'm not not to say that a garbage man, not, but maybe that, you know, they have jo like menial jobs like that. They use people that are like mildly, you know, mentally retarded or, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sketch where the guy goes to complain at the train station. The guy goes, I don't have to do this, do this job, you know, I'm a qualified brain surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> But I think these are the things that that bear talking about from time to time because it it, it kind of it kind of illuminates the dark corners of Star Trek. You know what I mean? I love that kind of thing. Why is every single admiral's uniform that we've seen in this series so far different? The uniform they get that design their the own of the word means they're all the same it's a uniform so why are they all different they, they yeah it's the 20 it's the it's this everybody's special universe so they get to design their own once they get to that rank i guess but have you noticed uh -huh. that 
every single one of them has been different so far. And they're all ugly, too. I haven't seen one of them I liked yet, either. The, I, I don't think the next-gen uniform lends itself well to the Admiral rank, you know, un, unlike, ne uh, you know, the original series. Maybe they're different Admirals from different arms of Starfleet or something. Maybe they have different, different yeah. uniforms to denote their type of if they're a rear admiral or not ever right all right i missed something somewhere and i miss it every single time i watch this episode why were the klingons in this hibernation thing for 75 years i i i miss this every single time it was a secret time. mission I... that's why so nobody knows so they're they were on a okay. that, that's what it was they were on some secret mission back in the days when they were at war with us and and it seems like uh, does a wharf say something like you know a lot of times you know those records could be lost so we don't even because they were trying to figure out what they were doing they were trying to figure out their mission roster right. when they were trying to figure out ways of not just <laughs> just saying hey welcome back to life boom you know yeah it was just a convenient a convenience <laughs> guess as far as a, as far as the story goes by the end of this series they sure would have a lot of stuff in the 24th century that came from you know kirk's era though i mean a lot mm -hmm. of stuff like a like a whole starship crew and scotty and everything would would eventually wind up there so i don't know it's kind of weird that uh the footage of the klingon cruiser Right from Star Trek, the motion picture. Ah, okay. I, that's, I was wondering which one it, it was probably from. Yeah. But uh, that's really all I got. I think this is a solid episode. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy this one. Um, Worf was one of those characters that, that I was very slow to warm up to, but it was episodes like this that helped me to, to really one, you know warm up to the character and really enjoy The more him. they flush and, him in, the more he became one of the most interesting characters on the show. You know, they started, they, he started oh, getting more and more FaceTime because... And, and Michael Doran's performance at first seems kind of one note, but the, mm -hmm. you know, the more you watch it, the more you see the little subtle, very, you know, the more you get to know him, you see the little subtle ways of, you know, how Worf communicates and what he, you know, you can see what he's thinking a lot of times. It's a very good I was effect. thinking about something with this one that, uh, something I had heard a while ago that Worf is the character that we have seen the most of in star trek he he was in the most Makes episodes sense. you know of, and it does you know you, you can see why that character has legs with episodes like this and uh you know it may seem really cheesy and everything but there was something about the delivery of this i love the way this episode ends where he's about to beam her out and he just stops her and he calls her name and he says i will not be complete without you that that's touching i really liked that moment i, th I thought it was it was really well acted it was really you know because it could have come off really you know saccharine sweet or it could have come off really cheesy but i think there was something in the delivery and the and the way the music comes up and everything i, I think that was a nice little moment in this episode if it came it off very, as saccharine sweet it would have been really bad because he's a klingon <laughs> Right, exactly. Saccharine yeah. sweet should not be in him at all, you know. Well, you know, uh, wasn't it, um, Doctor Pulaski, 
that made the observation in one of the other episodes. She's, you know, he says something or other. I forget what it is. He makes some comment and she just stops in her tracks and she goes, Worf, you're a romantic. And I like that because she was really the first one to kind of see that in him that, yeah, he is, you know, yeah, he may, for all his things of being, you know, tough and he's a warrior and blah, blah, he's this and he's that and honor and blah, blah, blah. At his heart. Yeah, he is. He's kind of a renaissance. Well, that's man. because he's, he's romantic. Yeah, no, I think that's the Klingon. I think Klingons are romantic. And, and yeah. I, I mean, uh, that the honor, all the honor and all that, that Klingon stuff, that's all, those are all romantic ideas. You know, those are all very, you know, not, not romantic as in like what we've come to think of it as having to do with like love and, and all that, but romantic as in like idealized, you know, ideals that humans, or that, well, that, that Klingons hold themselves up to. But but then right. you know these ideals and and it 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 makes you know I mean if you think of it not too deeply you think ah they're like you know a biker gang or like Huns or something and they just they just <laughs> you know rape and pillage and you know when they want a woman they take a woman and all that but it's not it's everything is more formalized than that so like. They, they, there, there is no casual sex in in Klingon world. It appears, it appears like you might want to get, you, you know, you're probably going to get married if you, <laughs> if you get laid in, <laughs> on Klingon. So, yeah, it's funny. I also noticed that uh, Picard was taking a liking to her too, and she, I, I thought they were going to develop that maybe. Did I say Picard? Yeah, that's, I that's meant Riker. Oh, yeah, Riker? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Giving yeah. her, giving her the eye when she, uh, when she first beamed over. Oh, you know Riker. Yeah, he was just like, "Well, hello. What happened?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're, I think we're ready to move on. All right, let's move on to the next one here. Let me get my book back out, and we've got peak performance is the next one. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. The hunt begins, number one. The crew battles each other in simulated war games. Computers report heavy damage to the Enterprise. Bring us about, Ensign. Maximum shields. But a surprise ambush traps them in a fight for survival. That's no ghost attacking the Enterprise. That's real. Where are my weapons? Unavailable, sir. The connections have been fused. On Star Trek The Next Generation. For this episode, the crew of the Enterprise engages in war games. A Zakdor named Surna Kolrami. <clears throat> That's a mouthful. Part of a race legendary for their strategic and uh, tactical skills boards the Enterprise to oversee the simulated battle. The game consists of a mock encounter between the Enterprise and an 80-year-old starship called the Hathaway. Riker and a crew of 40 will man the Hathaway. Picard will command the Enterprise. On each side, lasers will replace weapons, and any hits will be recorded by each ship's computer. Accepting data, Picard allows Riker to choose the best of the Enterprise's officers for his crew. Prior to the start of the game, Riker's crew prepares several surprises. Worf come up, uh, comes up with a way to display the false image of an attacking ship on the Enterprise's sensors and the main view screen. Wesley and LaForge concoct a method to give the Hathaway two seconds of warp drive. Just after the war begins, the Enterprise bears down on the Hathaway. As Picard prepares to fire, Worf makes the uh, Enterprise think a Romulan vessel is attacking. Picard swings the Enterprise around 
allowing Riker to score several uh, simulated hits. Picard realizes that uh, Riker and Worf have uh, what they have done and uh, re-engages the Hathaway. Just as he is about to finish them off, the ensign at Tactical reports the approach of a Ferengi vessel. Picard's, uh, Picard assumes it is another trick. Now, come on, you had to see this one coming a mile away in this episode, by the way. Uh, when the phaser blast rocks the ship, he realizes that it isn't. By the time Picard gets the Enterprise turned around to face the Ferengi, his ship is damaged. Aw, it broke. The Ferengi demand that Picard Somebody turn broke it. Hathaway. <laughs> or they will destroy both ships. Picard and Riker uh, decide on a desperate plan. The Enterprise fires its remaining photon torpedoes directly at the Hathaway at the same time Riker kicks in his warp drive. The ploy leaves the Ferengi believing that Picard destroyed the Hathaway and they leave. And eh, that's a pretty decent uh, synopsis. Doesn't mention anything about the video game between Data and yeah, the, uh, the Kohlrabi. The subplot, yeah. yeah. And between Kohlrabi and, and Riker, yeah. Now that game that they play, isn't that that one that we used to see around at Quicks or something <laughs> exactly. like that? I hated the game. That game was a waste of 25 cents. I think I tried it like twice in my life and thought it completely sucked and I didn't get the point either time. It just but, you just looked ridiculous in the middle of phase with all those things stuck on your fingers, <laughs> wiggling them around in sweat. Well I, well, I put one on my wiener too, which probably yeah, didn't help me that, at all. That, that's when the police came. <laughs> oh, you weren't supposed to tell that story. <laughs> um, Cole Rami? I don't know what that actor's name is, but he's the uh, he's the recall dude in Total Recall. Oh, that's that so uh, familiar. I'm like, this obnoxious guy is. I remember yeah. him being obnoxious somewhere else. What's bullshit, Mister mm -hmm. Quaid? That you're actually a super secret agent from Mars. <laughs> Mars. <laughs> yep, that's who he is. He was also. Uh, I, I always suspected that something must have gotten edited out or cut for time or something, but he had a role in um, Bill and Ted's um, Bogus Journey. Oh. But it, it's, I mean, it's such a little teeny tiny cameo that I always got the feel that there was more to his character that just didn't make it to the final cut of the movie See, or something. Yeah. But, uh, but I like that guy. I uh, can't remember what his name is, but yeah, that's that's what I'll always remember him for is uh, he's the recall guy. Um, I really only have just the barest of notes on this one, but probably my biggest one is where Riker walks in and Wesley and Jordy are installing that device. And Riker calls the situation like it is. And he says, Wesley, you cheated. And he goes, well, sir, you told me to improvise. And Riker just kind of winks and nods improvise my ass he cheated oh come on man ever since uh, everybody's everybody's kobayashi and Muru and everybody else after that no, 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 no. improvise is you go down and you know you switch the toilet main to a warp drive that's imp imp that's improvising you, when you beam over to the other ship and steal something that's going to give you an ability that your ship doesn't have that's cheating come it on it doesn't but that's that's you see that's where we get into where where I I I totally buy into Riker accepting that because it's 
he pulled it off. If now, if this was some official Starfleet mission or something, eh, no, 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 no. I, well, I, I, I'm, ch I'm changing my mind sort of in mid midstream. Let me put it to you a different way. The whole intent of this thing, right, is is to hone your skills and and that sort of thing. So. If this was a real situation and they really had to get the Hathaway up to power because they know that in, you know, two days uh, a Romulan ship is going to show up and kick their ass. It's not like when that Romulan ship uh, shows up that Wesley is going to trick himself onto that no. Romulan ship the device and beam back that allows them to have. No, no, drive. that's true. Cheated because he stole an ability from the other but ship that in real combat situation he would not be able that's to do the, that that maneuver would not be able to be done but that's not it's not the actual maneuver that it's not actually what he did it was that he used his powers of bullshittery he used his powers of faking out at to to, <laughs> to do something right in front of his enemy's nose at to turn the situ you know you know the to turn the situation in, into his favor because it was one of those things where it's like I have to go see to my science project and they were instantly instantly like ah he could be up to something so you know we got to have an escort with him right. and all that so he had to figure out how do I get there you know they're going to escort me what do I say to the escort to get all this and do all this and uh, and did that guy like really need to take a shit or something? Because he kept he's like, like, "Come on, come on, like, let's fidgeting and looking around." Because like, he was like probably about to dip his wick in the in his quarters, very similar to the beginning of last episode. He was goofing off, supposed to be on duty, and he was with his girlfriend. And all of a sudden, they're like, "You gotta, you gotta," because um, you know that's 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 Wesley's specialty is cock blocking, and they call right. him, you know, and. He, and, and what? What is it? Uh, you need to escort Wesley Crusher. Oh, Jesus! Ah! All right. Come on. Come on. You know. It's getting cold. <laughs> so, who knows? You know, who knows what was going on? It wasn't food getting cold because you can just order up some new food at, in space. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally I, I totally am all for and you notice and you notice Picard was loving it. Picard was just like, Oh my god, they're pulling all sorts of not only you know, he expected one surprise. <sighs> that that bugged me a lot because there's several times in this episode when the battle is on and, and, and things are happening where Picard was acting like Leia Thompson in Back to the Future going, Isn't he a dreamboat? And I'm just going, dude, do you have like a crush on Riker no, or no, something? He wanted, he wanted Riker to do good. He wanted to still be strong, but he wanted Riker to kick his ass to prove a point to to Smuggy McSmugstein there next to him. <laughs> you know, he wanted he wanted that he wanted that guy to see what he saw in Riker. You know, when this guy was just like, ah, Riker's just you know, that he's not that good. You know, Picard. You can see Picard sitting there going, "Are we talking about the same person?" Because you know. Riker has proven himself many times to be, you know, completely on top of his game, you know, all through the whole series. So he wanted to he wanted to see Riker perform good. He wanted to see Riker completely, 
you know, stymie this guy and surprise him and have right. a whole, you know, have all sorts of stuff up his sleeve. So I, I think he was just thoroughly enjoying all of that. I do like that uh, that Riker called the guy out, though. And I like that he, he that he, you know, pulled him in into, you know, into his ready room for a, a private conference. Uh, I'm sorry, who did I say, yeah, Riker? You just did the opposite of what I did yeah. 10 <laughs> well, you know, when when Picard called uh, called Rami into his office and then chewed him like, out, you know, it was basically like, all right, what is your problem yeah. with Riker? You know, I like that. I like that a lot. That was that felt very real, real world. Although, to me. Uh, okay, do you, now do you know which uh, which part made me crack up the most in this? I'm wondering if maybe you um, got a big line. It's in the very beginning before they start, and um, Riker says something to like Picard, like. You know, well, you might as well surrender now. <laughs> that was a good for me. I was just like, you know what? He might as well. I'm very, I'm very surprised well. he isn't right now. Like the Picard didn't go, what? Surrender now? Okay, I I, I surrender number one. Oh, you got me. You got me. <laughs> Is this a French thing? <laughs> um, there's a ridiculous line in this episode where at the very beginning of the episode. Kalrami basically asked Picard, "What what is your problem with the war games? What you know? Why do you why do you object to this? Or why didn't you want to take place?" And Picard says, "Well, Starfleet is not a military organization." Um. Okay. Well, except like when you are, dude. Because they have yeah. ranks like a military organization, yeah. and they defend the outposts and the colonies. They have weapons. And you know, truth, justice in the American way, and they have weapons and they provide relief and they spread the gospel of, you know, according to Starfleet and all. So I'm thinking that, yeah, you pretty much are a military organization. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that bugs me when they they play that flip-flop bullshit in Star Trek that one minute, you know, we're, we're you know, we're space Jacques Cousteau, but then next week you know we're we're the you know we're the battleship enterprise you know you i don't think you can have it both ways you're one or you're the other so i i don't know that that's always kind of bugged me a little bit and and you know in, in fairness to picard that's not just picard they did the same thing in the original Star oh yeah, Trek. yeah yeah you know one episode kirk said he was an explorer and then the very next episode he said well i'm basically a soldier yeah, just because you know? the writers and, didn't know <laughs> couldn't make right up their mind. yeah exactly so how's exactly. he going to Picard does that thing again in this episode that makes me want to smack him the the most, <laughs> where there's a critical situation, lives are at stake, time is of the essence, and what does he do? He says, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> well, I suggest that you step down and let somebody that can make a friggin' command decision take over if that's the best you got, because that shit just makes my blood boil. I hate that. I would hate to serve under somebody like that. I have served under people like that, that just, they lack that thing, you know, that, that Kirk thing, you know, that spark of just leadership oh, taking, and, and decisiveness. Taking control and taking command and taking responsibility at that point and having confidence in right. doing that. And it's not like he doesn't understand the basics because there's a great line that he delivers in this episode, you know, a great moment between him and data where data, you know, basically takes himself off the table saying, you know, I, I might make a decision. He has that self doubt. Mm -hmm. 
And Picard says, you know what? You're absolutely right. You might make a mistake. And you know what? That happens. Exactly. And I like that moment. So it shows that Picard understands how this whole command thing works. So and they, I also then like why this. Can't he make a yeah, decision, exactly, you know? exactly. Well, it's not that he can't, but it's it's like you should be open to other input from people, but you know, to sit there and waste time soliciting it, or see, there's a difference though. There's a di- you know, if if you come to Planet X and their planet's gonna blow up because something blah 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 is going on with something, and and you don't know ex- right. you know, you're the captain, but you're not a scientist. There, yeah. Then I can see you calling a conference and going, we need some options. I'm open to suggestions. What do you think? I buy it in a situation like that. When you're nose to nose with an enemy battleship is not the time to go conference. I hate that shit. It's the time to be Kirk, man. It's the time to step up, make a decision, good or bad, and, and be a leader. That's not the time to throw it open to a friggin' committee. I hate when they do that shit. And I think it just makes him look bad. I think that that's why they work so hard late in the series and working into the movies to Kirk Picard up more, you know, and make him more decisive and make him more of an action hero. Because it's this kind of stuff that just, it, it just makes him look weak, I think. He, he just doesn't, he doesn't exude that, you know, that follow me boys kind of, th- you know, command thing that you would need from a, a captain or a leader. You know what I mean? It, it, it does. It really drives me nuts. He was in command of all those people, for sure. Right. Right. The well, last thing I got on this one is uh, I completely forgot that uh, Armin Shimmerman was in this one. I knew that he, you know, in the very first episode we got with the Ferengi, which was... Um, was the name of that episode it's one that most people don't like but i, I kind of dig it it's um was it the last outpost yeah that i the think name that's it? what it was yeah yeah he played uh one of the one of the ferengi and that and then i thought that we didn't see him again until he played quark on ds9 but he was the captain of the of the ferengi ship in this episode too which i thought was kind of cool that's all i got for this one my only my only other note was the only thing that really bothered me about this episode was when they were playing the space video game and they had the crowd noise in the background and mm-hmm. it was so obvious that they had a room full of extras looking at a bl- blank area <laughs> and they said on, fiddle faddle yeah, fiddle faddle fiddle faddle go data go data yeah yeah but you know okay go and go data go data is okay but people were improvising like Ooh, look at that. Oh yeah, look at that, you know, and and stuff like that. No, that's just stupid. It doesn't it doesn't work, you know. You have to you have to see a float otherwise it just sounds like people bullshitting, you know. And that's what it sounded like to me. It, it really it, it was driving me nuts. I wanted to slap all those extras and just be <laughs> like, "Come on, guys. Just go. Yeah, yeah, bro." Watermelon cantaloupe, watermelon cantaloupe, or whatever you know. <laughs> bread and butter. Yeah, bread exactly. And <laughs> but no, they're going. Oh my God, look at that move! What a great. No, people. Uh, a people don't. People don't sit there and go. Oh my God, what a great football move at this football game, isn't it, friend? Yes, it is, friend. Yeah, That was exactly. a great football throwing job he did there. <laughs> uh. 
Watermelon cantaloupe. Remember that. Yep. Well, the next episode, next time around, next month on Star Trek Monthly Monday TNG edition, it's the end of an We're era. We're off too, we, huh? Yep, we polish off. We uh, say goodbye to season two and to uh, Doctor Pulaski. With unfortunately, now I don't want to. I don't want to prejudice you because I'm pretty sure you have not seen the episode. But it is not a far stretch to say or that to imagine that you're not gonna really dig on Shades of Grey because it is a shit episode. It's a it's a clip show. Oh, and, I have seen it, but I don't remember yeah. much about it except that I hated yeah. it. Yeah, there's not much to it. However, hopefully. To uh, to put a little salve on that wound, we will uh, will actually kick off uh, a brand new segment, which will be uh, the beginning of our coverage of the ongoing series of Star Trek: The Next Generation by DC Comics. We'll be taking a look at the very first issue of that series, and uh, I'm very curious about this. I've actually never read it. Um, I dug it out today and took a quick flip through just to see what the art looked like and just to see what the story might look like, it, you know, what it might be about or whatever. And uh, I'm curious. I Like I say, I've never read it. And uh, just through our good friends on the show, I have acquired a, a pretty decent run of the series. So I'm, I'm <laughs> curious to check it out. I've heard mixed and things, I've gotten, so we'll see how that I've goes. I've gotten ones from doubles from you that have gotten me close to a pretty good run of the series, too. So, yeah. <laughs> So we'll start that, and uh, like I say, we'll uh, we'll wrap up season two. Maybe even have a little look back uh, discussion if we have time on uh, you know what we liked, what we didn't like, what we thought of season two, and a uh, little speculation maybe on where we're going for season three. But uh, that'll all be next month. Until then, aloha or something. Space aloha. <laughs> Space aloha. <laughs> You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs>
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying goodnight. Goodnight, little kids, goodnight. We're off? Good, well that ought to hold the little bastards. Where is everybody? We have no sound guys. Nobody to do any hosting. Nobody for synopsis. I it's, there's nobody here. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, Bill, did you get the memo? What memo? I, I didn't get any memo. You mean what? This stuff right here? This talks about the TPS reports? Yes, yes, exactly. The memo about the TPS reports. That was also in it. The current mandate from Demanza Corp. Our new healthcare system, Demanza Care. Demanza Care? Yes, yes, Demanza Care. Did you not get the memo? It's right here. No, I, 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 I have it, Arnold. I don't need another copy. I just didn't read it. Here, let me forward you another copy. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm fine. I don't need another copy. Wait a minute. How could you type? You don't have any fingers. Never underestimate the power of a pig. Okay. So, what is Demonzicare? Why don't you read the memo? Alright, enough with the damn memo. I really don't know why I put up with your abuse. This is totally uncalled for and unprofessional. I think I am just going to leave and you can figure this out on your own. No, wait, Arnold, I, I, I did it. Oh, man. All right, let me see what this stuff says. All the bonds of corporate What? One mandated psychiatric evaluation from Dr. Pal Patine. Where have I heard that name before? Who is the mysterious Dr. Palpatine, and what is Demonzicare? How can something be a Klingon, a pig, and kosher at the same time? 
Tune in next month to Star Wars Monthly Monday number 49 to find out.